0: What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Vegas Golden Knights are on life support. Vegas suffered a brutal loss against the Dallas Stars. They need to win out their last two games of the year while hoping that that Dallas loses to Anaheim and Arizona. So things are not looking good for Vegas, but Things are looking good for the Sabres right about now. We'll get to the Vegas game in a little bit, but let's talk about the Sabres who are preparing to close out their season with back-to-back games on Thursday and Friday, first against the Bruins in Boston, followed by the Sabers' season finale at home against the Chicago Blackhawks. RJ's final game on the call as play-by-play for the Buffalo Sabres, a very, very special night coming up on Friday. But, Taylor, as we're heading into these last two games, as we had talked about on our Monday episode – there are a couple of guys who are close to hitting milestones. Tage Thompson, three goals away from hitting 40 goals and three points away from hitting 70 points. Jeff Skinner is two goals away from hitting 35 goals. Darlene's two points away from hitting 55 points. And Olfson is a point away hitting 50 points so there are definitely some things to look forward to here it was confirmed today that Dustin Tokarski will be starting on Thursday against the Bruins and they're hoping that Anderson is going to be able to go on Friday against the Blackhawks while Kyle Opozo's status for both of these games is up in the air at this point but I'm wondering Taylor what are you looking for out of the Sabres over these last two games
1: mostly those things I guess um I don't really (laughs) care well it'd be nice to to beat Chicago especially for a few reasons first of all it's a good send-off for R.J. Second, I'll be there. That's huge. It's huge. always third. It's always nice to end the season with a win. I should say when I say RJ is one. That's number one by far. Like that's super important. I guess more than you being the there, game. more than me being there, even. Shocking. And then, you know, I don't really like the Blackhawks. I haven't really liked the Blackhawks for a long time, but I think this past year has given me and a lot of other people, let's say, uh, a. Uh, an ethical reason to hate the blackhawks Mm. as an organization Mm -hmm. more so than you know the more aesthetic things so i don't like them and so yeah it'd be that'd be a great day to get a win and also the sabers are better than them so you should beat the blackhawks at home the bruins game you know it's the bruins they're a lot better than the sabers it's always nice to beat them but
0: i was gonna say yeah
1: If we play against Allmark, I would like to – I guess I'd like to win. I don't really have any feelings towards Allmark either way. I'm even kind of ambivalent if I think – about if I think the Sabres should have re-signed him or not. I'm still kind of up in the air. I think no, honestly, if it's going to be a deal like he got with, you know, the deal he ended up getting, then I guess no. Yeah, and, like, mostly I'd, I'd like to see some of those milestones. First and foremost, Tage getting 40. Uh, there are a few guys that we didn't I, – like, I was just going off the top of my head last time. In terms of Sabres, have gotten 40, and I don't I don't have a complete list right now. Uh, I was going to wait till let's see if Tage actually gets 40 or not. But when I was talking about the guys who have as many have at this many goals in the season for the Sabres, there was definitely other ones that I did not have written down that are you know also on that list. So it should probably in the range of 10 to a dozen or so total. Mm-hmm. So that'd be crazy if Tage
0: Thompson got on there. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that is definitely the one to watch for 40 goals is incredibly special. As you had said, it's only happened a dozen or so times in the history of the franchise. And I mean, again, really, I think the thing that I'm looking for out of these last two games is just to continue this momentum that they've been having into the off season. It's been incredibly, incredibly great. And just, hopeful, I guess, to listen to all of these guys talk about how they don't want the season to end. I think Renato today was saying that guys showed up 25 minutes early to practice just because they're, they're all so like jazzed up and they don't really want the, the season to end. And so, you know, I think that in terms of what were realistic goals for this year, for this team, I would say that they have met and or exceeded all of them for what you could have hoped for. They, performed better than we were expecting them to at the start of the year. They had the guys that they needed to bounce back and really step up in Darlene Skinner, namely doing that. You have an unbelievable breakout season from Tage. Nobody was expecting a Pozo to do what he did this year by putting up 20 goals and being a 40 point guy, largely in a bottom six role. And then you start to see some of the steps from other guys. I mean, Jack Quinn took a monumental step in Rochester this year, which gives you a ton of hope going into next year. Same thing goes for JJ Paterka. I mean, he was just stellar down there all season long. So they'll be fi- the Amherst will be finishing up their season, hopefully getting a playoff spot. We, we don't necessarily quite know that yet, but even back to some of the other guys in terms of like a development standpoint, like Matias Samuelson and his emergence. I mean, again, I, nobody could have predicted that. If uh, of the list of things that I thought were improbable, Tage like getting close to 40 goals and being like a 60 plus point guy in in a, in a top line center for them is at the top of the list, obviously. But Matias Samuelson solidifying himself as a part of the long-term future of this blue line, I think the, the importance of that, can't be overstated it, it is just huge and especially now as we're learning that uh, again over this the stretch of the past couple of weeks that Daleen has that flexibility to play on the right side it, that does so much for this blue line and then again we're not even getting into Owen Power yet too where he's looked really really solid in his short stint that he's ahead up so you give all of these guys who have taken huge huge steps this year uh, an off season to stay together the core of this team by and large is going to remain intact you give them a, a good off season. maybe there's a solid a couple of free agent or trade acquisitions hopefully more so trade because we know what the track <laughs> record is when it comes to free agency but we'll, we'll talk more about this on our monday episode because monday is going to be more of like a formal season recap but I, the overwhelming feeling that i'm just having you know looking at these last two games is just positivity I mean I I, you know if they go with a split and go one and one that'll be great Uh, I'll be fine with that I think that's probably to be expected if they win them both even better and you know we'll see how the games go but even if they end up you know losing them both I have a hard time thinking that they're going to lose to Chicago but either way you know there's nothing I guess that can happen over these next two games that would not make me feel like direction wise that this season wasn't was not an overwhelming success because I I feel like it was by and large like you got everything that you really needed to and that you were expecting to out of this year and then some
1: yeah definitely I think I think you really hit on all the ones that that are important is that there's a bunch of guys that you feel better about this year than you did coming into the year It's not just like, oh, well, we'll see. Like there there are some guys like that, but like Samuelson is a great example, someone that a lot of people weren't super high on. He had some time near the end of last season, but like it was a lost season and he played a lot with Risto. So it's kind of a black hole. Yeah. And like even another example is power. I mean, I didn't really know what to expect from his first couple weeks in the NHL and it's been great. Aside from Tarasenko, like, kind of embarrassing him that one time, the team has actually played incredibly well with him in the lineup. Like, he's been a boon to the team currently, the team that was already trending up when he got there, which is huge considering his age. So that's a really exciting thing and something to look forward to for next year. It's Yeah, there's basically nothing that could happen that would really matter
0: in these last two games. I guess the thing that really matters is, like I said before,
1: sending RJ off with a win.
0: Right. Completely agree. And, and again, I, I, what's so crazy about all of this too, it, it's, you know, I, I you just brought it up there and other people bring it up like, again, like the, the team was on the rise as it was. And then with two weeks left in the, in the season with all of this promise, it's like, Oh, by the way, here's your first overall pick who's now going to step in and show that he could play in the NHL right away, you know, yeah. on a night to night basis. And then on top of that, we're going to probably have two top 16 picks going into this draft coming up here and the flexibility that that gives them. I know last episode, we talked about them potentially pursuing PLD, but there are other options of guys too, that maybe will end up becoming available. You know, once we get through like the first round of the playoffs, if there's teams that feel like they underperformed or want to shake it up or teams that don't make the playoffs, of course, as well, where, you know, they need to shake up the course somehow, or they need to to move a guy, or maybe you are, are able to leverage one or two of those three first round picks, depending on, of course, the stature of the player that you're going after. But regardless of that, like whether you're walking out of the draft with three new first round talents in the system, or you're walking out with one or two, and then also getting a really quality roster, like player on the you know, on the books too. On top of that, either way, the momentum is just going so hard in their favor right now. And there's been times over the years where we've been able to sit like you talked about it last time where they like, what was it now? Like five years ago when they hit 80 points and we were like, Oh my God. All right. This might ha- be happening right now. And then just yeah, the wheels, six years ago, six years. Okay. Yeah. And, and like the wheels then just fell off and, and there was definitely legitimate optimism to be had there, but this just feels a lot different right now. It just feels as though the players believe in what the organization is building. The front office believes in what they're doing and has a plan of attack that is going to be conducive to success in the league. And before it just kind of felt like there was no direction. It was aimless and Botterell really didn't do anything to try and supplement the immense amount of talent that he had on that roster certainly their hiring decisions didn't help too when it came to both the front office and behind the bench but you know when was the last time that we all kind of felt like okay We're feeling really good about the front office and the general manager. We're feeling really good about the coach. We're feeling really good about the up and coming talent. We're feeling really good about our draft capital. We're feeling really good about the guys who aren't even in the NHL yet too, or close to having a sniff of it, like the Russian kids that we've been talking about, Rosen. We'll see what happens with Ryan Johnson, but you also have Devin Levi and Eric Portillo. It it just, it feels as though just about every facet of the organization right now is on the upswing and I think that that's maybe the biggest difference between six years ago and now is that you really didn't have that before because six years ago like the prospect pool definitely was not what it was you weren't going into the next season expecting to have as many high quality young guys coming into the fold like power Paterka Quinn, just to name a few there. I mean, and, you know, we'll see who else ends up solidifying a spot. I mean, Samuelson, of course, is locked in for next year. But that's really the main thing, I guess, is prior to that. Jesus, I, I mean, like legitimate, hopeful optimism. I, it's been few and far between, I guess, is my point that I'm trying to get at. And so, like I said, the fact that from all facets, firing from all cylinders, this organization, it gives me optimism to the fullest extent that i don't think that we've had in a while and i'm going and that's also important one little caveat with that too is that this is all being said without even having the expectation of them being a contender next year do i think that maybe even as recent as like two months ago to now that my expectations for them next year have changed. Yeah, I would say so. I'm not expecting them to solidified 100% lock down a playoff spot, because I think that it's maybe a a little bit unrealistic to expect a jump like that. But I feel extremely confident that given who they have in place right now, given who, or given the fact that I believe in the front office and who they're going to look to acquire and go after, I feel really, really confident that, we're looking at a 500 or above team next year, which is something that we have not been able to say in a very, very long time.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I I, honestly, they have not been above 500 since 2012. If you're just going by points percentage, they haven't had more than 82 points or played at that pace.
0: 10 years.
1: Yeah. So 10, this is the 10th straight year of that so i agree with that i'll say this the thing that bothers me about the last time they finished a season well which was 2016 yeah um so basically i would say from like february 2016 through the beginning of the 16-17 season there was no real long-term concern about the sabers from like anyone around here so people like us were just excited like post tank whatever you want to call it yeah they have eichel and reinhardt and o'reilly and kane and Leonard in the time that he played that year looked pretty good. And like I said, they finished the season strong. They played at a 94 point pace. They drafted Nylander, which it was dumb at the time, but it's like, well, at least they'll be able to keep scoring. And then they sign Oposo. There was never any like, oh, long-term, they're still in really bad shape from people in Buffalo. There were people out there in the world saying that, and they ended up being right. Uh, But that's what kind of bothered me because some people were taken aback. I think it just hit me like, like a ton of bricks on opening night when they were losing to i think the canadians and it was like oh wow there is like five guys on this team that shouldn't be in the nhl yeah. and our prospect pool is not that good yep it, or it's really like you know they're all gone now so it was just like oops all of a sudden And that was basically a realization like in and out of denial that whole season and then by the end of the year it was like oh yeah that was they're not in great shape uh but that's I was someone who was, let's say, well, very pro rebuild and then pro tank while it was happening. I think there was an annoying thing that happened after that was like, it happened sometime in like 2017. That was like, see, tanking's bad. But there was no one in 2016 that thought that. When they finished strong the year before, there was no like, ah, but they're actually still in bad shape, or this roster's still not filled out, or there's still this or that, or whatever. We're not sure about goaltending. It was none of that. There was no hemming and hong. It was they are headed in the right direction. That was a uniform opinion. And it wasn't like, oh, they're going to make the playoffs this year right? or whatever. It was like, they're good. They're competitive. And then it was going back to, oh, the tank's actually bad again. Like in, and then that c- continues indefinitely every few months. Um,
0: but, like, that really annoyed me. Anyway, getting no. back to the, the We're the still dealing way. with people talking about it. It's ridiculous. You think people in Toronto are like, oh, man can you believe that we tanked and we have a guy now who scored 60 goals for us? Like where, where are our morals? Like, come on. It, it, it's absurd. Yeah.
1: So we last episode talked about Pierre-Luc Dubois potentially being a Sabre in the future. And we talked about not having like a real French player for a long time, whatever. We got school. Well, here's the big thing. We both completely missed on Two things. One is something that we should have known immediately. So how did I not think of Marty Braun? That's ridiculous. He's yeah, on broadcast was, every night. Really bad. I mean, he's been gone for 15 years, so that's still a long time. Yeah. But like, Jesus, come on, us. The other thing is, I we both completely underrated how French Danny Breer sounded. And that's the thing. The Breer, the, the Braun thing is just a brain fart. This blew my mind yeah. listening to him being interviewed in 2007. I either didn't realize or completely memory hold that he had a French accent. And I've heard him speak, I don't know how many times in the past, I don't know, he's been, he became a saver almost 20 years ago. And I honestly couldn't believe it. Now there's a bunch of other savers that have been from Quebec and stuff too, but that's the one that just like
0: really jumped out at me. Like, so Jason, is from by the way, they were the one who who replied to us and sent us some of those interview clips.
1: Yeah. Some of them are like, so, so there's a difference, I guess I was saying, not that I'm an expert on French Canada but I think there's a difference between someone from Quebec and someone who's like French, French. You know what I mean? Yeah, Pierre-Luc Dubois is unbelievably French. Just all the way around that. His name is Pierre. Like
0: your last name is Dubois.
1: Come on. Dubois. I've heard that he walks in data games.
0: He, he like with, with
1: a big baguette and a glass of wine. <laughs> like he says, ha ha after he scores that guy's French. There's some guys that I've are seen from, him like, wear
0: a beret once or twice too. I will say.
1: Yeah, Pominville is from Next Scarf too, Quebec, <laughs> but like Pominville is not that French.
0: No. Well, and some of the but other his name names. His name's that... Jason. How French can he be? Exactly. Well, and some of the other names that were put out there, too. Nick Delorier. Yeah. That, one. that, that one's fair. William Carrier. I really didn't realize that one. Uh, Matt Dagaskini, but... Sabres legend. You see, the thing is, all these guys either didn't play for the Sabres that long or sucked. Right. Patrick Luleme, Steve Bernier. I mean, yeah, Baron though is just like, that is a next level brain fart on our parts. The Braun one's crazy, but the Breer one, what a realization. Yeah. Well, that's why I brought it up. I was like, dude, Danny Breer is, is I, I guess I didn't realize the extent of it. Cause yeah, those clips, he is letting it rip with that accent, but yeah,
1: I guess the difference is French is a first language versus as a second language. Mm-hmm. I assume Pommetville, is his first language or that
0: English is his first language. He speaks both pretty fluently though, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, it is
1: a, what do you call it? Multilingual.
0: Well, and he, and so again, our, our pal Sabre Scalpel, who uh, gave us this uh, little lesson on French Canadian Sabres, had mentioned that Pominville was raised in the heart of Quebec city, but his parents made him speak English first at home and he could speak both of them spot on.
1: I imagine a lot of guys there can speak both spot on, but uh Yeah, that makes sense that he had to speak English in the home. Like, I mean, it makes sense as now that that I've heard his accent, not as a policy. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, he just he never sounded to me like someone who was that French, but also he grew up in the heart of Quebec City. That's
0: it's interesting. Have you ever been to Quebec? Sadly, no, but it's on my list, man. I want to go so bad and check it out. It's it's right there. And so many people haven't
1: been to it. I've only been I've been to Montreal once. That's it, Mm -hmm. man. I did, did completely underrated going in how French it was going to be.
0: Oh yeah. It's like, I have friends who have gone, have, it's like legit, like Canadian Europe. Yeah, basically.
1: So if you, it's, there's a lot of vibes that way too, it's much more quiet than like Toronto. Uh, but going there, I was expecting it to be like kind of the opposite of Ontario. You know what I mean? In terms of language, like sure. there are signs in both, but like it's leaning more towards French yep but like man no a lot of people do not speak english there yeah and it was a culture shock it was it was a great time though it's a really i want to cool go place. so bad they have real cat cafes not like the cat cafes we have
0: in buffalo mm-hmm. what, the cats just actually act hanging around do they serve you baguettes no they're lazy they don't do anything but <laughs> like
1: uh they like kind of hang around i have a picture maybe i uh I don't know where it is I think it's I have it on Instagram or something the catch is like hanging out on the windowsill next to me while I was eating breakfast wow like they can just hang out and stuff I'm like you got to keep them separated because of quote-unquote
0: health code violations of course well hey when Arizona gets relocated to Quebec maybe we can go check a game out there
1: yeah <laughs> let's do it That honestly that's 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 the dream isn't it like no offense to the, the fans of phoenix glendale tempe area but like come on man this isn't working and now this new arena they want to put it isn't even in phoenix what are you doing what are you doing i know there's people in all these areas but like come on like this does not work if you are like a fledgling organization right you have to go where the people are the most people i know there's people in glendale and tempe too but like god guys you're not a football team get it together
0: yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And why don't they just play where the Suns play? Am I mistaken on this? I don't, I, I don't know what the deal is with that. I've got to as well. Um, where I'll also Suns say, though, too, because Quebec would probably be in the Atlantic, right? Oh, man, they'd have to realign again, wouldn't they? Well, no, because wouldn't it make sense? Because you just would move Quebec to the Atlantic, and then Detroit goes back to the Western Conference. So Detroit goes to the Central? Yes, uh turn to the central it's called
1: the footprint center where they play what it's, it's called the footprint center where the suns play okay this is the best team in the nba God. i don't I not know they played the footprint naming center. rights what is it footprints llc Oh, uh, i think quentin tarantino owns them. come on what <laughs> i'm joking but like oh, hold on let's see it's in the heart of phoenix it seems like all right let's see these naming rights what is going on well, it's been a lot of things it's been the phoenix sun arena talking stick resort arena u.s airways center america west arena and the footprint center all in 30 years okay let's let's take a look center?
0: what is who is who is mr footprint uh it's a science company nerds it's
1: a science company in gilbert arizona maricopa county so i believe that that should be nearby well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, so why don't they play there? Why don't you guys ask them about playing there? I mean, they probably know hmm. a lot about the Coyotes organization, and they know that they don't like to uh, pay their bills. Yes,
0: very true. Very true. I want those Quebec Nordiques jerseys though back in, back in our division. Let's go. Also, the
1: this place is right next to Chase Field, so another another you know, it's a a tough not a tough sell but be like okay we got to have a baseball team in this area we gotta we gotta make this work let's put them where the people are i'm gonna look up now where their current
0: place is how far away that is which i think is the phoenix, river arena do you know where phoenix ranks in terms of like national population oh it's huge oh i know it's matt i'm just curious i know it's big but i'm just wondering like whereabouts they rank like is it top 10 yeah oh yeah it is oh, okay um, i
1: looked at it, it it's it's one of the fastest growing um, so they're like 25 minutes away. The Gil River is like 25 minutes away from this other stuff. I mean, like I said, I'm not an expert on the geography here, but like, this doesn't seem to make sense. And then Tempe is also not right there. I know Tempe, Glendale and Phoenix are all like kind of near each other. Um, but like still that, that's why they're still there though, Brendan, because the population is, there's a ton of potential. Let's see. Greater Phoenix population is almost 5 million. Wow. Yeah. And it's, and it's like trending up. And that's, I think, why it, it's harder to move them than it is to move
0: like most other teams. And I hey, never no, would have I'm, moved in. in I'm obviously current. just messing around. Like, I do think if they can make it work there, it's great. But it's just the organization, top to bottom, has just been a mess. Absolute mess. But it's, if they can make it work there, it's great. I also, for what it's worth, I'm talking about how sweet Quebec's jerseys are. Arizona's got, now that they're back to the uh, – the Kachina, right? Is that how you say it? Isn't it that? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Now that they're back to those jerseys, those are top notch. I really, really like those, but uh... yeah. So they're 10th, 10th. Okay. In population.
1: Damn. In, in, metro, the, in the
0: Metro area. So our like, good friend, uh, Henry Wellesby lives in, in the Phoenix area.
1: Yeah. I mean, so it's only behind New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, Miami, Atlanta, Philadelphia, and DC. So Atlanta obviously did lose their team but I'm going to call that extenuating circumstances because uh, you might remember that all the owners were fighting and suing each other and basically we're, we're not playing here. See ya.
0: Yeah. So much.
1: so this is an example of how it's not just a big city. It's fast growing. It's uh, 1950. There's only 220,000 people there. They didn't get to 500,000 till 59, which almost So they more than doubled in that time, that decade. Wow. Um, this is the greater area too, not just the city. And they got to a million in 1973. They got to 2 million in 1990. They got to 3 million in 2002. And they got to 4 million in 2015. And they are at 46 or 4.6 million, I should say. So basically, every year there's been a growth for a long time, there's a growth rate of more than 5%. That's absurd. But there's still a growth rate every year. Like, for example, the growth rate between last year and this year is 1.48% it's impossible literally for Metro to have a growth rate positive for 70 straight years, unless you start with like nobody there like Phoenix did and grow into what it is now. So it's, it's kind of crazy, but I mean, that makes sense yeah. though. Like the Suns came there in like the late sixties, good on the NBA for recognizing that. Cause there was not a lot of people in Phoenix at that point. Uh, and then, but look at the other teams, the Cardinals football team. Uh, they don't get there until the late eighties, early nineties. And they moved from St. Louis yes there was a football team in st louis called the st louis cardinals that were the color red and then what is it the uh what what would be next it would be the coyotes 95 i think and then 98 the the baseball
0: team so you know it went from one to four relatively quickly so pretty nuts who would have thought that living in uh southeast united states where it's warm all the time would it would southwest attract people even they say southeast i meant southwest <laughs> excuse me jesus christ no southwest. you could move in the southeast that's I true atlanta it, I, well, <laughs> who would have thought southwest united states with all of that beautiful warm weather would uh attract people to want to live there truly a, a spectacle it is interesting though because it's the desert
1: a lot of people for the desert oh that's mm-hmm. true of vegas too I mean Vegas is the other example here. I guess it's something similar. Vegas is probably going to have four major league teams relatively soon. They had zero until 2017.
0: What how do they get a, how do you think they get a basketball team? Next expansion will probably be Vegas and Seattle. How long away do you how, how far away do you think that is?
1: Probably not far. It's been yeah. 20 years since the NBA expanded. That's true. That's and sweet. honestly, they have the talent to do it. I mean. i trying
0: to think of where else would even be up there. I know those are the two obvious ones for a starting point, but where else would even.
1: The NBA expand.
0: Yeah. You know where they need to get a team? What? Brooklyn. Cause those sorry ass bums got. Their <laughs> ass kicked by the Celtics. You know who needs a team back? Newark. Newark.
1: Yeah. Who, who wants. Who, <laughs> East Rutherford, whatever, whoever, wherever they actually played go back to new jersey no one wants like no one asked for this true new york city was like we need another bad embarrassing basketball team they already have their bad embarrassing basketball team that they actually do care about they don't Mm -hmm. need one they don't care about
0: yep it's wild that's that's fair man what a goddamn great series that was though celtics and now they have robert williams back oh baby we're looking good, Taylor. Things were, were real dicey at the start of the year, man. But I'm telling you, what are the, I think they've won 30 of their last 36 games or something ridiculous like that. Like, oh my oh, god, easy.
1: It's 27 to 34, pal.
0: Um, what, what's that? It's 27 of 34. But, okay, sorry, my bad. Um, I was off by what technically, yeah. So seven losses in that span. Sorry, my bad. I think Kyrie had my favorite post game quote of all
1: time. Context included that they, he just was also pretty, pretty ineffective at the end of a embarrassing sweep at the end of what was an embarrassing season after he skipped like 60 games because, uh, what is a personal decision, but a pretty stupid one that he could barely defend. Uh, and he was like, you know what? I think I want to run the show here. I think I want more power.
0: Well, didn't he even admit (laughs) that is so good. Didn't he even admit too that? He regretted doing that. He's like, oh, yeah. I wish I would have played a couple more games. Like, yeah, no fucking shit, man. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Kyrie, for oh. someone
1: who has one of the most iconic uh playoff moments of all time in hitting that shot in the 2016 finals. And frankly, who's someone who was great throughout the 2016 and 17 playoffs, he has a terrible playoff resume. Yep. Just in terms of overall accomplishments. Okay, so you have those. He was like I said, he was good in 2017. 2015, first time he ever makes the playoffs he's hurt in the conference finals and finals now. And that's not his fault. Like a lot of these will be injury based, but it is what it is. He leaves 2018. He's hurt again. The Celtics make the conference finals without him. Hmm, Interesting. 2019 he's back. The Celtics are worse. They get destroyed by the bucks. He shoots like 30% and keeps insisting that he's going to guard Giannis. 2020 he's hurt. Sits out the bubble. 2021 gets hurt again. 2022, whatever the hell this was. So that's his entire playoffs. Outside of 16 and 17, he doesn't have a good postseason. He doesn't have a passable postseason. What do you think about the Kevin Durant-Charles Barkley feud? I think KD is made of paper mache. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I just love that (laughs) it was cracking me up that he just refers to himself as a god. And then someone's like, are you really referring to yourself as a god as you just got swept by the Celtics? And he's like, aren't we all about self-love here? Like, positive reinforcement? Come on, man. Like, listen, I'll be the first one to to say that everybody needs to love themselves, be kind. Not everyone. Not yeah. Not not when you get your ass whooped by Jason Tatum. Yeah, be mad at yourself for a little bit, honestly. Be mad at, you know what? Imagine that, though. Yeah, you get swept and you're just like, you know what? I'm the fucking man. I just got my ass handed to me by the best defense in the league and could not overcome it. I'm still fucking awesome though. Yeah, he was bad.
1: Oh. I'll guarantee you this, but Giannis will not uh, go out as soft as KD did. And then of course everyone, not. but Giannis if, also has to say KD's... as
0: good as the Celtics though.
1: No, I mean, when he plays the Celtics, that's what Win I'm or saying. Lose, yeah. It's not going to be like KD is. And then people are going to be like the, the people who still want to say KD is the best player in the world or have been desperate to get that taken. I don't think it ever has been 100% true, and now it's definitely not true.
0: Absolutely not. Who's your top three?
1: Players in the world right now? Yeah. This is tough. I think it's kind of Giannis alone at number one. Um, because the other guys that I would have is like, the best players this regular season and everyone else in the world would have as the best players this regular season are Embiid and Jokic. Yeah. And, like, they really haven't done it in the playoffs the way that he has yeah like you can't compare anything to last year so i feel like there isn't a top three there's a top one and then there's a bunch of other guys at the moment including kd and lebron
0: yeah sure
1: um but like to be jason tatum too i mean he's in the he probably is at least near the group at at this point but like like lebron or like kd i should say uh this is my last point before we switch back to the other sport he (laughs) i think his legacy is permanently ruined not just because of the series in in a way that it shouldn't be because he made twitter accounts partially that (laughs) I don't think people care about that as much, but like looking at his, I don't, I don't like to predict the future anymore, but I almost guarantee that for the next 40 years, it's going to be Katie not getting the respect he really probably would deserve or could have deserved. And him being like, I'm not mad about it, but he's going to be permanently mad about it and know that he screwed up because that's what it comes down to. To me, Katie at his peak, was like unbelievable. Like he's one of the I don't know, he could be one of the 10 or 12 best players ever. Agreed. Like he's one of the most fluent scorers ever. Like fluid, I should say, not fluent. Fluid scorers I've ever seen. He plays great defense. He's a 7-footer that can shoot threes. Like I think we saw in the playoffs last year. He's like the matchup nightmare of all matchup nightmares and he never got to be the consensus number 1 player. I'm mean, partially cuz he played in the LeBron era, but also like if he would have just stayed in OKC, okay, they probably would have won a title at some point. Early I, I mean
0: I almost guarantee they would have won a title. With, they were know, bound 20. to, I like hundred percent that kills me, you know, because he was like, when he was with Oklahoma city, I mean, he was one of my favorite players in the league. And while I'm not of the, you know, mindset that him golden going to golden state was this like monumental Cardinal sin. Cause I get it. You want to chase a ring. He got his ring, whatever. But just because I'm not like steam out the ears mad about it doesn't mean that it, also doesn't change how i feel about him like that definitely changed my perception of him like 100% Significantly, it's like i was like you do what you got to do you want to go get that ring like do it up like people pointed to like with lebron and bosh going to miami and being like well how is this any different and like listen it's very different it is very different that's the thing is that it is different. but even aside from that though it's like <laughs> How, how with his personality and how he ended up leaving Oklahoma city too, like in the manner in which he did, how can you not look at it in a negative light and like, look, look at him in a negative light and it absolutely tarnished his legacy. Um, And that's a great point too. I mean, like, yeah, KD in Oklahoma city was on another level, but again, it's like you're behind LeBron there. So you go. To Golden State, where, I mean, you're still KD, obviously, but was he really the guy? Like, I mean, does it matter even if he was, was the guy? That? Like, this is, I guess this is the, what I say, it's very different. It's because
1: Miami was this fringe playoff team with one star. Right. Cleveland was this championship contender, quote unquote, um, with one star and right. really just that one star. And Toronto was a fringe, like all, not firing. even a playoff team yeah. with one star and two of those stars are better than one of the other ones but like when they teamed up it was this kind of um it was a weird fit at first and there was no depth on miami and that's part of the reason they lost the first year and then there was they got their depth they got definitely got better in 12 and 13 but like wade got worse and all of a sudden they didn't have two superstars they had a superstar and a star and lebron had to be that star and i guess what i'm getting at here in the long term is lebron being a bad gm has generally been pretty good for his uh, actual personal legacy as a player because yeah. it makes him have to do more and it's the same thing in LeBron in 2016 and I actually was texting about this today with our good pal Mike Drebot about Durant who I think Durant in terms of like his peak is as good as basically anyone I've seen except for LeBron I mean there's an argument with Giannis and, and Shaq too in there and Duncan I should guess I should throw Duncan in there too right. but like Look at the century of performances we have. You have like Shaq in 01, and these guys have other performances too, but these are the memorable, like individual, like, really, will this team do a championship? Shaq in 01 when they go 15 1 in the playoffs. Duncan in 03, Um, Wade in 06, Uh, in 09, Kobe, Uh, 11, Dirk, 13, LeBron, especially. You could say 2012 as well if you want. And Mm. Uh, like you, you, you might throw in Steph Curry in 2015. I don't know, but then you throw in Kawhi and Giannis last year. Durant will never everything like that because he never needed that. Right. But anyway, let's hear from our uh, that was.
0: I just want to say quickly, though, that was kind of my point, though, about him, like whether or not he was like the guy, like obviously he was a driving force and reason behind why they won those championships. But my man, you walked into a team with two of the best shooters of all time in your backcourt. Yeah, And you have it one of the best, defen- the best defensive players of the past decade also in your front court like he couldn't have walked into it he, he literally could not have walked into a better situation
1: yeah all right so let's hear from our sponsors at DraftKings real quick hockey fans feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the NHL right now new customers can bet just one dollar on any team to win and get 150 dollars in free bets if they do if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet you can still hit the ice for cold hard cash New customers can make their first deposit and play for free, play free for thousands with DraftKings daily fantasy hockey contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 in any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, so quickly before we go, um, Brendan mentioned at the top of the show, the Golden Knights lost to Dallas uh, (laughs) last (laughs) night. That would have been Tuesday night uh, in a shootout. Um, Both teams started 0 for 7, and Dallas won on their 8th. Jero Heiskanen. Jero Heiskanen. So, this basically means that the Dallas Stars only need one point, and they happen to play the second and fifth worst teams in the league, the Arizona Coyotes and the Anaheim Ducks. So, and the Knights, meanwhile, have to play the Blues in their last game, and they play Chicago tonight. Correct. And the Blues are still fighting for position, remember. home Home ice advantage in the first round against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So,
0: folks – folks this is interesting mm. by the time everyone's listening to this it's more likely than not that vegas will not be in the playoffs so that would mean the oh.
1: 16th overall pick for the sabers and the ninth overall pick. in addition to whatever florida ends up being
0: oh well actually you know what taylor let me look really quick because i want to see what the like how much movement can there actually be from the Sabres perspective, if, like depending on how this goes, um, Dallas, uh, Detroit can pass them. So. Can anybody else? Or is it just Detroit? Uh, I Ottawa, think Oh, Ottawa, Ottawa can. Yeah, they can. Ottawa has only two points back. Oh yeah.
1: Ottawa could theoretically.
0: Um, but it seems pretty, pretty locked in. Like they would have to, you know, Anaheim has one game to go and has 76 points. Um, san jose is also at 76 points and they have two games to go so i mean it's possible that we would move up more but it's by and large looking like we're about to have a uh a top 10 pick there
1: yeah yeah the most likely to me seems to be ninth and vegas would be locked into 16th pretty much
0: shout out jake ottinger you goddamn king what a performance man i mean logan thompson was obviously great too that was an unbelievable goaltending matchup but Jake Ottinger oh my god also I gotta just say too between New Jersey the New Jersey loss for Vegas and then San Jose they end up coming back down two to win then Dallas comes back from down two to win oh just so so sweet so good like Oh, what a, there, there's no it, commentary to give. It is just awesome. It is no, the best. This is 100%. hilarious. Well, we thought like three or
1: four weeks ago that they were going to miss the playoffs for sure. That's before they won six straight games. And then LA and Dallas decided they didn't want really to make the playoffs, which frankly, I don't know if LA and Dallas are really playoff teams. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. I it's, it's hard to think of a comparison for a team this talented. Uh, So real quick, though, I want to say this is such a weird thing I noticed when I was looking up how good Ottinger's been this year by goal saved above expected. uh, Dallas's goalies that have played at least 15 games this year are 26th, 27th and 29th in goal saved above expected. That is remarkably
0: consistent. So who is that? um, Wedgwood, Ottinger and Holpe. Yeah. Damn. It's weird,
1: isn't it? Very. That's wow. Well, Here's a fun thing to tie it back to the Sabres before we go. Uh, the Sabres goalies that have played 15 games this year are 52nd and 53rd.
0: <laughs> <Ooh>.
1: <laughs> out of, I should say, out of how many goalies have played 15 games this year? Hold on a second. It is a total of 67. <laughs> so Damn. they are, yeah, Anderson has a negative 8.7 and Tokarski's negative 9.2. What was which Holpe, really
0: out of curiosity? Hopi's is
1: just over one. It's. uh. Yeah. Hopey's is 0.7, so just under one. Onger is 1.8, and Wedgewood is 1.9. Interesting year in that, and very
0: much so. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, this has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As I had mentioned before at the top of the episode, we will be back with our season recap on Monday. But in the meantime, make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, as well as on social media. Make sure you're also following us on social media, Straight Up Sabres on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure you're either <laughs> following or subscribe to us on whatever you are currently listening listening to this podcast on last but not least go to DraftKings, lovely sponsor of this show and use promo code thpn at checkout to take advantage of great deals once again we'll be back with a brand new episode on monday thank you all so much for tuning in this has been straight up sabers